1: I think that I for a long time had this kind of problematic idea that (laughs) that in Indonesia the goal was to snag a rich white man and that was Mm. like the that was the culture, that was what you did. Mm. When I lived in Vietnam, you know, just get these like average men that would go over there and kind of fall backwards into a fantastic job and Mm. women were falling over themselves to be with them and what does that do to your mind when you go over to Mm. a country where you're making 100 times the salary of the locals and all of these aspects of yourself are being reinforced Mm. by the broader culture and society. Mm. What does that do to your head? Kia ora, we're your hosts, Julie and
2: Serate. We travelled around Aotearoa with our soundy Joey, meeting immigrant whānau... Listening to stories and discovering what is said or not said between different generations.
0: These stories warmed our hearts and broke our hearts. And over this series, we invite you two to listen in on conversations with my immigrant parents. This episode, we're in Whangarei with Avi and her daughter, Chinta, and Ava and her daughter, Cindy. Avi and Ava are sisters and they came to Aotearoa from Indonesia. Avi came first in 1995 and settled in Whangarei, which is where her husband Tim is from, and Ava came later in 2003 with her husband Colin. Colin and Tim were friends from high school, both Apakia, and both ended up working in Indonesia for some time. The two of them marrying sisters is a pretty interesting part of this conversation.
2: Avi's daughter Chinta is 23 and Ava's daughter Cindy is 26. Both of them are the oldest in their families. Chinta has a younger sister called Amy and Cindy has a younger brother, Tom. In the episode, you'll hear Chinta referring to her aunt Ava as Tevava, and Cindy referring to her aunt Avi as Tanda Afi. Sundanese and Bahasa words for big sister and auntie respectively. I'm Afi and
3: my daughter is Chinta Yasmin Demreel. We name her Chinta because Chinta means love. It sounds beautiful. I don't really know what you do, but you are. (laughs) (laughs) But I know that Chinta loves community and loves to help people and loves art, which I do like as well.
4: Yeah. My name is Chinta, and this is my mom, Avi Nur
0: Hidayat. Hidayati?
4: (laughs) She is the ultimate provider. Every time. Anyone comes over, it's like a banquet of random delights. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just a very generous, beautiful goddess woman. <laughs>
5: I'm Eva. This is my daughter, Cindy. Her name is Cynthia Annette Dewey Corn. She didn't have names for. <laughs> six weeks in the hospital <laughs> so, because uh, was it, uh, we tried to find uh, really good names for her <laughs> she's like a beautiful daughter but sometimes cranky <laughs> But uh, I always <laughs> miss her a lot. Every time she comes here, I just like wanting to cuddle her. <laughs> so,
1: but I'm so proud of her. I'm Cindy, and this is my mom, Eva Nurhayati Shinta Dewi. Yeah, <laughs> she's the oldest of five siblings. She carries the weight. Of that, beautifully and gracefully. She's an angel. (laughs) I think I should stop now. I'm already crying.
2: (laughs) Avi starts the conversation off by describing how Ava's husband Colin introduced her to her future husband Tim. I met Tim in Indonesia
3: when he came to see Ava's husband Colin in '94. At the time, I was working for Colin, casually. When we finished the project, Colin asked me to accompany team travel yeah, from Java to Bali. We just clicked straight, um, well, not straight away, <laughs> but I just felt safe. So I came here at 95, and then he proposed to me within... Uh, Month. I didn't Mom. tell. Yeah, <laughs> when I was here, and I didn't tell um, my parents, like I was, um, that <laughs> that I was living with him, and I was twenty seven at the time, twenty six. I asked him if he wanted to marry me. He should come to Indonesia to propose me, hmm. which he did, and then um, helped by Colin. Because he knows Colin knew Tim well, and that he that Tim was not an expatriate in Indonesia. You know, like when when you are an expatriate, some of them like play with women mm-hmm. in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. My dad, we call him Babab uh, Babab but It was quite hard. But uh, actually, Colin and Eva's marriage two years before mm. uh, opened up for me. Mm. We got married '96, and then I straight away moved here. I've been yeah in Whangarei since '95, really, mm. and I, lo- I love it here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> got children How about
4: you? was it always an option or like had you already decided that you were gonna end up moving to New Zealand or no I never known
5: when I would go at the time but I really wanted to live in overseas like Mm. that
1: did you both know that the plan was for you to both be in New Zealand eventually. No. That was not no, part of not your that, decision uh, making. No,
5: no, it was. I didn't. Know uh, it. I it thought it was planned. Was all, no,
3: no, yeah, it, not, it, it was, it's was planned to me. Oh. I don't
5: think so. <laughs> yeah, it was. I thought it was meant for you. Yeah, for me. Oh, for you. For me, it not was, for me. No, uh, hmm. for me. Okay. It was planned by Colin because he wanted. Me to have a friend here <laughs> in New Zealand. He was trying to matchmaking Tim with wh- whoever <laughs> that
1: various, he could. Women. Yeah. <laughs> various women. in <laughs> Indonesia. Yeah. 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 And
5: then, and then when Tim came there, and Cindy just born, and they had really good holiday, which is like I was so envy. And then every day, Colin. Do you know fax machine? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I know fax. So um, he sent fax letter letter to me and I think it's working. I think, <gasps> <laughs> it's oh nearly every day. I
1: kind of always thought that dad kind of like made that up, but no no no, it was true because uh, I said, didn't know but the fax now. no. No. <laughs> He texts
5: me every day. Master. Yeah, he really. You know, you know, they, they every day always call me.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
5: uh, this is because um you were just born too. Yeah. So how Cindy and then uh, uh, Ray Tim and Afish, uh, I think it's working something like that. <laughs> so it's it's it, it, it was, for me it was all planned, but luckily it's
0: Afi got married to Tim. very interesting way that this whole extended family came about. Yeah,
2: yes. We were also really interested in Avi's use of the word expatriate. So in this next part, the family discussed some of the power imbalances that come about when white men travel to non-white countries, particularly Southeast Asian countries in pursuit of women.
3: I work for a magazine for a little bit, translating articles and uh, in, Indonesia. in Indonesia, yeah, in Jakarta, really, is my exposed to expatriates, foreigners who work in Indonesia. Mm. I don't have any relationship, you know, like personal relationship with them. Um, you can see, uh, yeah, heard from lots that of people see, as well yeah. of we news people also who dated these expatriates, mm. and we know that these expatriates are already married.
4: Yeah, mm. yeah.
3: That's when Colin said, like, you know, Tim is not like the expert. Yeah. yeah, not an expert mm. like um, some expert in Indonesia who uses women to to
4: have a foreign wife or foreign relations,
3: foreign relations. Yeah. yeah.
5: Mm. yeah. Uh, what do you mean, foreign relations? Oh,
3: no, uh, no,
4: for uh, for fun, For fun, yeah, yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like they're, but they're disposable. For some
5: some woman in there, they are. Using the expat to to well. get the money, but yeah. it's I can see it from the two different source. Like the expats wants to have fun time with the woman there, and the other source, the woman wants to take advantage mm-hmm. for having mm-hmm. that one. Because we have it in here too,
4: like Indonesian woman here like that too. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. What, you mean like doing kind of sex work?
5: No, 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 no. sex Money, Just 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 trying to
4: hound them for money. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you get that, like, whenever we go over um, walking on the street and with Dad, it's like, bully, bully. Like, everyone's kind of coming up and crowding around Dad because they're like, "Oh, rich white man. Yeah. Which I mean, like,
1: fair enough. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think that I, for a long time, had this kind of, problematic idea that <laughs> that in Indonesia it was like the goal was to snag a rich white man and that was mm. like the that was the culture that was what you did mm. I think I brought it up with you a couple of years ago and you were like no that's not mm. how we all think mm. when I lived in Vietnam I mean I met some of the best people I've ever met there but I also met some of the worst mm. the worst white men I've ever met
2: mm.
1: you know just get these like average men that would go over there and kind of fall backwards into a fantastic job and mm. women were falling yeah. over themselves to be with them and they would kind of have this idea of like, oh, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't my fault that I wasn't successful in my home country, it was everyone else because look at look me at here, me now. Yeah. look at me now. Yeah. What does that do to your mind when you go over to mm. a country where you're making 100 times the salary of the locals and all of these aspects of yourself are being reinforced by mm. the broader culture and society, mm. what and does that do to kinda, your
4: head? Everyone's kind of turning to you as this, like, as yeah. someone who's kind of higher or you know has more power because yeah. of their money. Like yeah. you said,
1: you have these expats, these white expats that go over and have mm. this like really inflated sense of their own importance because mm. because it's been reinforced by mm. these broader it, aspects. It was quite hard for me because.
5: Colin was a boss there, mm. so when we we when we tried to get married, everyone like, oh, you married boss, yeah. So what? I didn't mm. marry so boss. That wasn't, that so wasn't the, the intention yeah. to marry the yeah. boss. Yes, yeah. no, no I didn't. So
1: do people think that you were like a trophy wife? Or? Yes, yes, something
3: mm. like that. So I, I had experience like when you were little, we went to the mountain uh, in Indonesia. I was carrying you and walk with him and these people were, you know, calling me... What do you call it? Um, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, cheap, cheap. Aww. Yeah. I, I just ignored that because I'm not like that.
2: I feel like that's really hard listening to Ava say that when she married Colin, people, you know gave her flack about marrying the boss. It seems like so much of the judgement about both Ava and Avi's relationship ended up falling on their shoulders, like being called a trophy wife, being called cheap. Like it's not their responsibility. that they're, they're not to be held account for anything.
0: Mm. And it's also interesting that these values or beliefs are internalised in the way. You can kind of hear that also in the way they describe other women. When we hear that all these privileged white men are going to Southeast Asian countries where they have so much wealth compared to the locals and Mm -hmm. starting relationships with the women there, that we have one view of the power dynamics there. And it's interesting that Avi and Ava talk about how the women are also trying to get something out of it.
4: Yeah.
2: And
0: that also reflects in how they, as women, have been judged in their relationships with white men as well. Yes. So it's like a circular... And it's also, we're very conscious of how Chinta and Cindy seem to have different views.
2: I also think that it's particularly relevant for Chinta and Cindy because they, as Asian women, as mixed Asian women, deal with uh, a lot of fetishisation and a lot of exoticism themselves, which Chinta
4: continues in this next part of the book. I wouldn't do this now, but, like, I remember wearing shorts and stuff in Jakarta and just being like, oh, why are all these men staring at me kind of thing mm-hmm. and getting really um, frustrated about that. But, now, like, now I wouldn't do that. I'd be a lot more respectful. But then, you know, seeing the treatment that white men get mm-hmm. um, in, those, in those places and seeing the way that Dad got kind of fawned over was, like... Now, kind of reflecting on it, it's like quite disturbing because mm-hmm. it's made me kind of think, like, oh, did Dad take advantage or anything like that? And I know that I know that that's not true, <laughs> not that but the, like, and I know that Dad's of the white men; he's probably a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um, but it definitely has kind of made me think about that uh, European influence over there and how much it's kind of shifted. The perception of of women, I think in terms of my own relationships, for a long time I think I was very much like wanted to assimilate, was just attracted to white people, but now I'm like <laughs> I'm quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah. like I'll, I'll, I'll go like attracted to whoever I'm attracted to, but um, like I'm a lot more wary of, mm-hmm. of white people I think and that's because I've seen a lot of terrible shit. That, that they've done hmm. but um, not not all like no not no no not all but like I think that there is a superiority complex yeah. and I I've sensed it in some relationships in the way that people talk to me or I, I think that I've definitely felt and this is something I've kind of recently come to is that growing up I think that I was very much fetishized by a mm. lot of people like in school, just being like, oh, you you know, you're very exotic or you're different, being told that I was very beautiful and stuff. And that like at the time I was like, oh, cool. And, you know, like I had lots of boyfriends and yeah. stuff. But then now looking back on it, I was like, oh, that, that kind of period started when I was very young and it wasn't yeah. something that was taught to me by you or dad, but it was something that I was like very much influenced by yeah. my schooling here and the perception of me, mm. part of growing up. Yeah, 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 definitely. But I think that there was like an essence of like, oh, you're so you're different, yeah, you're like different, you you're know, like interesting. You're, yeah, yeah. So, I mean,
5: when when we
3: were in Bali, mm. Indonesians attracted to you like they straight away mm. look at you and you, Chinta and, um Cindy. Yeah, they're just they
1: they adore mix. They're like the mix look. look. <laughs> uh, look. I mm. don't know if you do this, chin, but if I've I- ever date. A white man I always ask How many of your ex-girlfriends are Asian I have Yeah because There have been one or two Where they've been like oh um all all of them mm. and i've been like ooh, ooh no yeah <laughs> no. yeah
4: like i don't i don't want to like I, it I makes don't me feel like part i'm of part your... of a collection yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and it's more common than you think <laughs> yeah
5: yeah definitely um, i I'm, I'm quite surprised because i never i never really think about that mm. that you really heard that you are being uh Half Asian, something like
1: that? Oh no, I'm not hurt by it. No, 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 no. I'm incredibly proud of of my culture and and of you and of being half Indonesian. It's yeah. no, I'm incredibly proud of it. It's it's more that I I don't trust other people's perceptions of mm-hmm. it, which is really sad. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah. It's something that I'm very wary of with um, white men in particular because. I know how Asian women are fetishized in our culture, and it's happened to me my whole, from a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is wanna... this
3: because of, like, I don't understand, like, even the younger, like, not, not, I was saying,
1: intermediate as well? Just thinking like that, like where do they learn from? <laughs>
0: fantasizing. <laughs> uh, they learn porn.
1: it from. They learn it from uh. porn. They learn it from the wider culture. Yeah. They mm. repeat things that they've heard from adults.
5: Yeah.
1: Mm. Um. I mean, like the history of Asian women being fetishized is like long and storied. And <laughs> mm. I haven't done enough research on it recently okay. to be able to talk yeah. about it now.
4: When I was an intermediate because I started dating people very early, and I think that that is – I know. I know I'm, I know now. I know now. Um, <laughs> but there's two things. Like seeing just how beautiful yours and dad's relationship was, I think that that was something that I was always very much like, oh, my God, I want to have a relationship like that. Mm. I don't know. Like I, I saw a lot of kind of belittling of, of Asian women mm. and the way that a, a lot of like – Ignorant people kind of spoke to them really slowly. And I saw this happening to you sometimes with people. Like, and I, I know that for you it's like kind of helpful, but on on the other end as a like Pakeha Indonesian, seeing my mum being talked to very slowly mm. in a way that's like she's not she's like not stupid. she's not stupid. Like you're you're very intelligent and you know how to speak English really well. Um, so seeing that kind of downplayed has really kind of built up my resentment there, you know, hearing stuff like, oh, you're pretty hot for for an Asian and everything mm. like that. And it's just like, oh, you know, like, oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean,
1: I, I feel like especially in high school, to other people it seemed to be a really important part of my personhood mm, was yeah. that I was Asian. Yeah. My nickname was like Cindy the Asian and I was okay with that <laughs> yeah. because yeah, yeah, um, yeah it felt okay. But I I also think that our mums are objectively beautiful. Mm. But I also think that there was a big focus on, on their beauty. beauty. Yeah. And yeah. that they're beautiful and exotic and from who um, like from friends, from people in general, from my dad, not, and not in a, you know, he's saying it because, you know, I have a beautiful wife. Mm. But I think that the focus on that really kind of primed me to be like, well, yes, I'm beautiful because I'm exotic. Yeah. And this yeah. is, you know, this is an asset to me. And I felt that as well. I said to Babab, mm. uh,
3: I said, oh, don't say that. Because I I yeah. Being, I mean yeah, I don't want them to see themselves being you know like only it's it's beautiful. not it's only beautiful yeah. And Babab said, "Well, that's the the fact," mm. yeah. and I cannot say anything else. You know, like um, yeah. I mean um, it's it's his right to say
1: that, but you mm. know, like I I didn't want you to like um to, to the think the that thing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. And I think like growing up, people would it was the first thing that people would say. Mm. Yes, yeah. Especially back home in yeah. Indonesia as yeah. well. Kantic, kantic. You are
3: cantik, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you are a mixed, mixed. Um, mm. race. Yeah. And then people drawn onto you. Mm.
2: This is such a dense part of the podcast. I feel like there's so much explored in that section and so much to unpick. Mm. Yeah. I almost don't know where to start, but I really, I really resonate with lots of these things that were brought up. This discussion around beauty being a focus and beauty being a thing that is specified about a person is interesting also because it comes from Ava and Avi's dad as well. Yeah. And they can recognise that they didn't want their daughters to be called only beautiful.
0: Yeah, I think you and I have talked about the privilege of beauty that mixed-race babies have had, or mm. uh, mixed with white babies. Yeah. We've talked about how I love babies with light eyes. Me criticizing
2: <laughs> Julie every time she says something like this.
0: <laughs> I don't say it like that. No, I just no, no, no you to don't love you babies. Don't, you who don't. have light eyes, which is not, it happens. It's me internalizing white standards of beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I admit it. We
2: have to be so conscious of it because mm-hmm. we've internalized this.
0: Yeah. And it's not that we've internalized it as individuals, like our entire communities cultures groups
2: you know you constantly have to try and work against it and remind yourself and like rejig that in your brain because it's so insidious and it's so everywhere
0: and it does actually just uphold white supremacy by saying this is the pinnacle of what you want to be
2: Chinta and Cindy experienced this in New Zealand and they also
0: experienced it back in
2: Indonesia. Mm. And it's just an, another reminder that nowhere in the world is exempt from Eurocentric standards of beauty, which is obviously why colourism is so prevalent and so horrible. Mm. Particularly relevant to this is the way that Asian women specifically are fetishized and exoticized, and... I hate hearing about it. It is hard to listen to how early some of these standards of beauty and standards of, like, what makes us useful and worthwhile as women, how early that starts. I definitely felt, like, some of that praise that gets heaped onto kids that are half-white and it, like, always made me really uncomfortable and... Mm. And feel gross and sort of.
0: You can see how the fetishization of people who are mixed with white links mm. into the fetishization of women when they're talking about how they were approached, even when they were young and starting to mm. find relationships. And what Cindy says about being part of a collection <sighs> of Asian girlfriends. <sighs> but like when you and I heard that, we were like this. Brings true
2: yeah because
0: we know white men who do that I've just been asked out by white men and when I've said said no yeah and then just seeing that the next girlfriend they get is Asian I'm always like oh, oh. what was that
2: oh my gosh it's such an instant way of dehumanizing someone mm. by identifying them by race only deciding that that is something that's sexually attractive mm. picking that as the brand that you want. Also the amount of analyzing that we're doing about this mm-hmm. that white men are not doing this level of analysis.
0: True. <laughs> Such a good point. What is all this admin and <laughs> why are we analysis? unpicking
2: your problems? <laughs> it's because we're dealing with the like the catastrophes that come as a result of it. It's really interesting listening to Cindy and Chinta unpack all this stuff because it's, you know, it's so relevant to them and they've dealt with it for such a long time. They haven't talked to their mums about some of these things. Yeah, I just think this is such an important, interesting discussion.
0: And really complex given how their families and lives began. Yes,
2: yes, completely.
0: So this next part of the discussion sees Chinta and Cindy reflecting on what they were and weren't able to tell their mums as kids Avi starts us off by sharing some of her fears as a mother when Chinta started getting older.
3: I, I was so scared when Chinta uh, have relation. Well, you you had your first relationship, mm. and and then it is something that our parents talk to us about the relationship mm. when we were younger, and when you first had your relationship, like I, I still thought like, oh, you are just you know little girls and then i didn't think that you would go that far mm. <laughs> and then um tim just said like oh she just put you into contraceptive but mm. you were still young and i said no um, she has to wait you know we are the parents you have to wait until you are 16 consent. um yeah i i didn't consent you to do to have um that mm. and then um of course i didn't know what you were doing outside then uh I, I yeah, said you something to me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mm. talked to you too, and then yeah, you so. talked
1: to you what was that conversation between but, you two what did you come to talk to mum about I think you, you came to me and tell me about
3: Cindy first yeah. <laughs> because you were
1: all there I was already I was <laughs> lost I was a
3: lost cause <laughs> yeah because you were all there and then um
5: I don't uh, know. Kind of yeah. we, we, we just talked. We, just we talk. didn't we have didn't... any solution or so, something. No, because so we, we couldn't, just couldn't do anything. Yeah, we just like uh, say what our feeling, like yes. how sad and something like that. But we didn't have any solution. Solutions, it's just because, like yeah. it's it's come out by itself. Like you are really responsible what I heard from that because I couldn't talk to you. I'm so scared. I couldn't
1: <laughs> talk to you. I was so yeah. scared.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. the same. I... So, yeah.
3: And I, and I, I think I, I let go because, Chinta, live here, it's something that is a no no in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And then you live here, you have the rights as well. I mean, I felt sad because I felt scared for mm. you if something for or... yeah for your safety like i didn't have that conversation with you mm. i was just behind like i was hiding in the bedroom you,
1: for mm. a night like i was just crying did you feel like you had failed to protect I, I, us I, I,
4: Yeah, I felt like that. um, Yes, Yes. I felt like that. And is that because, for like, compared to in Indonesia, we started like having interest in in boys and stuff like a lot earlier than. Um, No.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Can I? Yeah. She
3: had had her boyfriend like quite young, like Mm. um, 13, 12.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then, but I chose not to have. But we we were like open. Just, we yeah. It's it's like you know Indonesian. If you have friends, just come to the house and talk and mm. like socialize or something like that. But in here, I don't know. They have their own rule, You don't really visit the parents
1: right Mm. this was like this like extra like social rules that you did not know about so the boyfriends
3: in indonesia come to the girl's house and then they associate with the parents Mm. straight away yeah the parents we know
5: Mm. that the parents um. will check out like is this good boy or good girl or something like that Mm. uh, Mm. sometimes
3: i feel like living here it's also a different rule whether
1: it is right to check or yeah you just had no framework for how to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with us yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i remember quite vividly i was maybe 16 so chinta would have been 12 or 13. Mm. kanta afi and i think you mama and me sitting around the kitchen table and we were talking afi said something like Oh, you know, it's really hard it's really hard for us when when you guys start growing up and, you know, having sex and all of these this is it's really hard for us. And I remember saying, probably insensitively, but I said, Well, it's hard for us mm. I, and I said like, you know, Chinta's really going through something right now and she she needs you too. So it's just really interesting to hear that there's this like kind of, like, gap, this mm. this distance between mm. both parties feeling like they really yes. needed to yeah. talk to each other, yeah. but we mm, couldn't. But didn't know how, yes, to. Didn't yeah, how to. Yeah, and yeah. I remember, um, because <laughs> I did not handle my first time very well, <laughs> I snuck out of the house. <laughs> <And laughs> Mum oh. Mom, Mom came and got me <laughs> really bad. Um, but I remember, like, I remember really needing to wanting to talk to you but I couldn't because I'd never seen you that disappointed with Mm. me (laughs) and I went to dad because dad's always been like very open open, very Mm, sex positive which I'm really really grateful for because I think that has it's like one of the it's one of the um it's one of the things I'm most grateful for Mm. but I remember Like you know, my friends were like, "Oh, you talk to your dad about that stuff? Like, Mm. how do you do it?" I was like, "Well, I can't talk to my mum about it Mm. because there's no, she can't. Yeah, we can't, we can't do it. (laughs) There's no,
4: there's no bridge." Looking back on it now, like I wouldn't change it, but I also look at my twelve-year-old self and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I just didn't know what, uh, what was appropriate to talk to you about." Um, I think that's why it. I it fell upon myself to try and figure things out by myself yeah. and and go, you know, like not not talk to you guys about it, go behind your backs and things like that and kind of sneak around about it because I was just so scared of disappointing you. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like even though I know that I kind of already had, it was just like,
1: no, but I'm I'm growing up. So do you feel like that was the your biggest challenge as as mothers when we were growing up? It's not only
5: that, a lot of challenges as a mother, mm. a lot, a lot of them. But you decide what you feel right, like mm. that. But my part now is just like when you come, I just cuddle you. <laughs> <laughs> that's
4: that's what's, what makes me happy. Yeah. Like. Even though it was quite hard not being able to, to have conversations with you, I think that I learned a lot by myself Mm. and now I know you know like Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily look back on those experiences as a mistake I think that it's it's versed me quite well in terms of redefining my boundaries Mm. which I think that it's like for a lot of women it's so important that for us to learn how to set our boundaries with people I don't place any blame on on you for for that time at all like I think that A whole lot of circumstances
0: led up to that And it wasn't you I was just going to say I relate to what Chincha was saying About like, kind of the sneaking around Behind Avi's back And not being able to talk to your mum About relationship stuff When you're a teenager But also not knowing um, how much of that Is just like regular teen, angsty Mm. stuff Not wanting to talk to your family And what's actually influenced by this cultural generational disconnection or perception that your parents might share different worldviews about things like sex and dating. But yeah. I feel like Chinta's reached a really good resolution point in her life about it. I
2: Yeah, I love what she said about she doesn't look at those experiences as a mistake because mm-hmm. she's thinking about what it taught her. Mm. Very impressive place to be. Yeah, I think it's really cool that Chinta and Cindy had each other in the way that they did because obviously that's something that a lot of migrant families lack is that extended family network you know if you've left lots of cousins and grandparents and aunties and uncles back home where you came from then you miss out on so much of that interaction but Chinta and Cindy had that and they had that in a really strong cool way. So Indonesia is, of course, a Muslim majority country, and here Chinta starts a discussion off about how Islam has continued to be a presence in their lives.
4: Oh, it's something that I like. I've been thinking about recently because one of your brothers is is very strongly Muslim, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've just been thinking recently about like if I were to to go back and try and learn from from the family, like what. Their opinions of me would be as a Mm. as quite a sex positive bisexual outspoken woman, you know, like (laughs) yeah, (laughs) making a face. (laughs) I don't know about
3: that.
5: No, I don't think they will accept it. They they won't accept
3: you, but they won't they won't force you to
5: do something else as well no they will I think um yeah they will they won't say to you
3: you, they will say to us the responsibility Mm, on you yeah yeah Yeah,
4: yeah. I think I like I've been thinking about that a lot recently especially because I'm you know quite open on my Instagram Mm. and things like that and you've Mm. you've kind of warned me about family members seeing that it it makes me feel guilty because it makes me feel like I've put a family shame on you with a family in Indonesia and that, I don't know, do you feel that as well? Like Not necessarily that you have shame about me and yeah, who, who yeah. I am, but that that they will have th- th- shifted your relationship with with your family. Um,
3: yeah, they, they will tell me off maybe um, and ask, you know, to, to threaten you or whatever. Mm. They wouldn't shame me. Mm. Um, oh, no, I wouldn't say that. They wouldn't. Cut the relationship with me. Mm.
1: Do you think that that has shifted since Babab and Nini passed away? No, no, no. there's no. still the same. Yes. there's yes. the same pressure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, same yeah. pressure. Yeah. Mm.
3: One of the things that I, when I went back home after I don't know five, six years, um, didn't go home, and then I met my uh, high school friends again, and then they know that I married. Uh, foreigners they knew that I uh, we married like yeah. as muslim um and then they ask question like openly like do you pray does Tim pray like mm. do you teach your kids it is probably for uh, people there is you know something that is common normal mm. or normal yeah. but for me it's not their business anymore. But I didn't say that to them because, like, I said, oh yeah, you're foreigner
5: anywhere there
3: yeah. now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, oh yeah, um, not really, you know, like, oh, you should do this. And everyone is telling me like you have to, your to teach your mm-hmm. yeah, your children um, a Muslim way, Prayer. pray, mm-hmm. because like I mean I'm I'm a Muslim but I don't practice. I used to. <laughs> I changed not because I move here. Uh, because I just think I just need to be kind to other people. Like, I you don't have, have to. And that's the, that's the bottom line of yeah. it, yeah. Rather, yeah. Than mm-hmm.
5: rather than mm-hmm. the other restrictions and yeah. things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's in so your that's heart. why I didn't teach you that. Yeah, looking five times pray, I was like, keep thinking, like, it's just a break when you're busy working and busy have a break five minutes and do the uh stretch or something it's mm. that that five times uh muslim prayer is just like a stretch like making your body work like that so not sitting all the time like that mm. it's only five minutes if um if you can do that i don't i don't do that now <laughs> <laughs> so, but i'm like keep thinking every day what's what is the purpose of that praying and what is the purpose of the fasting Mm. and other things it's just like try to make sense everything that muslim
4: try to tell us like that but in your own way and how it serves you rather than yeah by a, a bunch of kind of restrictions or rules yeah yeah
5: I feel really blessed to have Afi here. If she's not here, maybe I would have a best friend or something, but it will be different. yeah, just different. how we talk, how we let go our feelings or it's everything different. that's what what um, your dad. Uh, plan which is like really no. <laughs> really uh, help me. for me for me yes yeah. because oh, that's, yes. that's yeah. his plan <laughs> to do that so it's it's like really blessed for me yeah.
3: yeah I mean I feel I feel the same as well to to have you here like I I mean when you first came here uh you know um Cindy was little I was so happy like for us it's almost like uh Normal to have another family living in yeah. the same ah, house. Yeah, We did that as well with other family. I felt mm. guilty with Tim,
5: though. I, I felt like oh, you get used to it. Did Tim <laughs> accept it or not? I no,
3: get used to it. That's um,
4: yeah, pretty chill.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't accept the other family as well. You know, mm. having Eva here also. Help me grow up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can tell her lots of things, uh, mm. share with her lots of things, and that's why we do it together. And I remember when Eva got married, I felt so sad because oh. that means she wouldn't sleep in our shared oh. bedroom <laughs> anymore.
1: I feel like I've watched you, Mama, and Tanta Afi grow together we can almost see the back and forth mm. where you've gone to each other and talked about something and come back with a different view or more support I've definitely seen
4: just how much support having Tivava here for you mum has provided and like I, I think about it quite a lot in terms of the same thing like on dad's side of the family it's quite distant um, yeah. and so
1: comparison.
4: yeah yeah and like it's always like quite, quite joyful when you're together yeah. um, and it feels like because you can speak Bahasa to yeah. each other uh, like for our birthdays and things like that like cooking yeah. nasi kuning and that whole kind of r- ritual is is still a part of your lives and that I think that that seeing the relationship between the two of you has been really beautiful in terms of like yeah. how close you can be to a sibling yeah, and also like how intertwined and how like communal a family can be. Cause I, I know that in, in a lot of other families it's a, like it can be quite secluded or everyone kind of has their own mm. own biz, but it feels like everything is very much shared and like, yeah. it's really nice to grow up in that kind of communal environment. And that's definitely influenced the way that I kind of, Run my flat, or like you know, look after the people in in my in my space. Yeah, it really
1: feels like you two are at the center of this, like, yeah, of yeah. this web, <laughs> this this community, this this network, is what mm. I'm trying to say. You're the center of this network.
0: One of the reasons we wanted to have this family on the podcast was because we thought that it was really unique the way that these two families kind of grew their lives and journeys in parallel to one another. And mm-hmm. um, I really like hearing about how Chinta um their extended family is like a communal lifestyle where everything is shared and it's not the traditional like nuclear uh, family, which a lot of, like you kind of said before, a lot of immigrants would have because they are separated from the rest of their families here.
2: I like when Cindy says that when her mum goes and talks to Avi, that she comes back with, like, a different view. Mm. That's so nice. It's like Cindy and Chinta can just see that their mums give each other so much.
0: So much support. Yeah. That sisterly bond is real strong. And for the last part of the podcast, Ava starts off the family's reflections on what or where home is for them.
5: Yeah, this is my home now, New Zealand, Wangarei. If I go back to Indonesia, I don't know what to do and I don't really know where should I live or what should I get connected. Um, We have three brothers, but they have their own family so my first plan before if I'm getting old I wanted to go back to Indonesia have retirement there and have people helping me getting older or something but uh, I don't know now (laughs) I think (laughs) my home is here now Mm. so
4: yeah and your mom have talked about getting a house together when you're older. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: a flat, a granny flat together side by side. <laughs> um um yeah, Fungara is my home now. Um I'm happy here. But I never thought like I would go back to uh Indonesia knowing that Chinta and Amy are here. And once we talk about like, we have to decide what to do with my body if I... Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I die. Um, because, like, uh, it will be a Muslim way. Mm. But we still haven't had that deep conversation. Mm. But, yeah, I, I I like it here. Not that everything is easy here, but uh, we get used to be doing things our way yeah. rather than there. And um, once we get back home, <laughs> we will need to have some help maybe and then also yeah the traffic and stuff like that <laughs> not that yeah. it is not beautiful there like we would like to have long holiday there but it's convenient more than in Indonesia
4: mm-hmm. how about you Chin? I think that this house like Tutukaku coast definitely feels like home for me it's weird because I always used to dog on people who wanted to retire in (laughs) Whangarei but um but now I'm like oh actually like it's such a a beautiful place and and what you guys have kind of created here in terms of your own communities and because I used to always think that Whangarei never had anything to do Mm. Yes, yes both of you say that yeah but seeing the amount of stuff
1: <laughs> that, you that you do, do.
4: <laughs> It was like oh
1: actually Like I,
4: I, if I did Decide to ever come back here And, and live you here again something. I can make that whatever I yeah, want it yes. to be
1: mm. I don't think I'm Necessarily as attached to Whangarei In this area I, I think home will always be For me wherever These two families mm have created their, their communities. I think that, that is a, that's a stronger, that's a stronger association. Than the place. Than the place itself. Yeah. I feel like I have a little bit of a complicated relationship with so this if town.
5: I, if I go to Indonesia, you will be <laughs> Then that will have to become hope.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice end. Wherever her mum is that time, yeah, that's cute.
0: Well, not even just wherever her mum is, but where these two families are. Because that's, that's they're so cuter. interwoven. Yeah. And I love the image of Avi and Ava retiring together in a little granny flat together.
2: <laughs> just two sisters and best friends.
0: Two gals.
2: <laughs> so cute. Thank you to Avi, Ava, Chinta and Cindy for reaching out to us. And for sharing your unique experiences on this podcast. We appreciate that you unraveled some really multi layered topics here, and we just think this is going to resonate with so many people. You can check out photos and videos of all our families on Facebook at Where Are You From Really, Instagram at Combos With My, and on RNZ's website. Conversations with My Immigrant Parents was created, produced and directed by Julie Zhu and Saray De Silva, location recording by Joey Sia studio recording by Jill Eva Craig at The Secret Beehive, and sound edited and mixed by
0: Emmy Pagoni. Our cover image is illustrated by Ngā Jones at Miss Mimo and designed by Sonia Milford. A huge thanks also to Kay Elmers and Tim Burnell from r and Commissioning. Conversations with My Immigrant Parents was made possible by the RNZ, NZ On Air Innovation Fund. He Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.